Dallas got the team they wanted. <laughs> Guess who got the last laugh right after this? Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Gene Sports. This is your host, Marco, joined by a very special guest, my boy Niner Nate. How's it going, Niner Nate? I mean, I don't think I could say I'm doing bad. They are now one game away from the Super Bowl and two games away from six. I, you know, I hate to say it, but as a 49er, former 49er backup once said, it feels great, baby. I mean, Victory Monday is great, but Victory Monday in the playoffs. Is even better, dude. Like, especially <laughs> when it's against when it's against the Dallas Cowboys who wanted to play us and they got slapped in the mouth in the third and fourth quarter. Like, honestly, what was your first initial reaction? Um, like honestly, like first half, what was your reaction? Were you worried? Were you excited? What was going what was going through your head at that moment? I, you know, I sat there with my father uh watching the game uh because I hadn't watched any games with him this year. So, you know, Cowboys, uh Niners, he was there the last time the Cowboys beat the Niners and Candlestick. So it's a big deal for him, right? You know, he's in his sixties. And so we watched that game together. And when it was nine to six, you know, it, it it felt like the 49ers were always in control, even though the game was a little weird, you know. We went from a team scoring like 40 and you know, 35 points every game to them not scoring as much, but that's just how this game was, right? It was just a defensive battle. These guys came out and they played really good defense and it was up to the best offense to win and the 49ers ended up prevailing. But, you know, nine to six, I still wasn't worried. Six to six was a little like, okay, are we going to get any offense going? But as we all know, you know, once we got to that fourth quarter, I felt, I'd love to know what you thought, Marco, but I felt when the fourth quarter started, the 49ers were in full control. I don't. I didn't think Dallas was going to do anything miraculous to come back and win this. I thought the 49ers could literally just get the ball back, run out the clock, play good defense, and get out of here and get to Philadelphia. No, I absolutely agree. Like, so it's funny because I, I watch I watch the Niner games right with with my uncles and stuff, and like my family's a very very most like they ride the emotional wave of games, which is something I love. But at the same time, it's like I hate it too because like I'm. A firm yeah. believer, like the Niners had they could complete control of that game, in my opinion. Like I felt like Dallas was pressing hard to get things going. Um, and like one of my uncles was like, Man, halftime, like close game, you know, or, or very close. I don't know. Dallas gets the ball back to start the half. I'm like, dude, we got this game. I'm telling you, like Kyle Shannon's gonna come out of the half and he's gonna adjust his just his game plan and what he's doing, so is D'Amico, and they're going to cause another either another turnover or they're going to run it down their mouth. Kyle did exactly that, dude. Um, when – what do you – because I, I did see – speaking of Kyle, right, like I did see a lot of people criticizing Kyle Shanahan on the timeline majority of the first half. But do that's just think- Twitter. Real quick, Marco, that's just Twitter. For some reason, people freak the F out. 
in these games. Like, I have never seen a fan base freak out as much as Niner fans do when you're ahead. Even if when it's only by like three or four points, they freak out like the sky is falling. It's like, oh my God, guys, like, I think Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. You don't have to freak out. I think things are going our way. Like, it's just weird how Niner fans are like that. It's like, it feels like they've been hurt in the past when in the grand scheme of things, I know we haven't won the Super Bowl, you know, since 96, but I mean, they're one of the best teams of football. They've been one of the best teams of football for like four years. They're going to find things are going to get messy and they generally are good at finding ways to get out of that. People just don't have the, I don't know if it's just the confidence or maybe this is just like the generation of people. I can't really figure out what it is, but people freak the F out whenever a team is not winning by at least 10 points. And that's the crazy part, because, like, when you look at it, right, like, Kyle Shanahan's offense in the first half, it was stagnant, right? Like, it was, it looked kind of like, I was like, what the heck's going on? Like, but at the same time, you got to give credit to Dallas, man, in the terms of how good that defense played. Like, they put a lot of pressure on um, Brock Purdy. They forced Brock Purdy to hold on to the ball a little bit longer than he wanted to a lot of times, taking away his first read. Um, so, like, you can't, you have to give credit to that defense, um, I know Kyle Shanahan is an offensive guru. He's a genius. Everyone expects him to drop forty points each week. Um, but when you're playing a good team, you're not. You don't. You're not going to get that. That was legit playoff football, defensive battle. Um, that's the nit and gritty, getting down in the trenches. Um, but we're now talking Brock Purdy get mentioned, right? I know you're you're super high on Brock Purdy. I, I've seen what you said before. You said. You think Brock Purdy is the real deal? What did yesterday's performance tell you about Brock Purdy, or did it kind of make you take a back step and say, mm, "I don't know"? I, you know what? I, I've been pretty vocal about Brock Purdy because at this point, I just don't want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think I'm pretty sick of that. But I, you know, the thing about Brock Purdy I really love, and I I think that you know, depending on what happens in the next two games, we'll see what happens next year. But the thing I love about Brock Purdy, man, is he doesn't turn the ball over and like, we'll knock on some wood real quick, but like the pass that everyone's freaking out about that was that digs almost caught. That was tipped at the scr- line of scrimmage. That was not also, where that ball was going. See, but thing is, though, I have to go back and rewatch that play. Right. Because yeah, it's tipped, but is it tipped because of Brock Purdy or because of the offense alignment? And I felt that it was Brock, Brock Purdy hit the defense alignment in the helmet. So like, was it the arm angle? Is it the like the 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 stature of Brock Purdy, the shorter quarterback? So to me, I have to go back and watch that. But I know exactly what play you're talking about. It's just you know, and and I think that when you think about quarterback play, right, and you watch Josh Allen and you watch Patrick Mahomes and you watch Joe Burrow, like those guys are elite, elite quarterbacks. I don't think Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback because Brock Purdy's a rookie, right? He could get way better. He could stay the same. We have no idea what he's what he's gonna be. But right now, for him to, and I know he has an elite defense and he has all these weapons, for them to be in the position they are in right now shows that this kid at least has something between the, you know, between the eyes, some smarts in his head that he's just, I mean, he's doing stuff that not a lot of guys are doing. I'm pretty high on him just because this whole run has been impressive from not only Kyle's perspective, but Brock's perspective, from these players' perspective. Everything has been way better than I thought it was going to be. You know, when if if you could tell me, dead ass, that when Jimmy Garoppolo went down in that Miami Dolphins game, the Niners would actually be better for the next five to six weeks, I would have said, you're crazy. I'll bet you $100 they're not, right? Yeah. It's just, they're, they're a better football team right now 
than with Jimmy Garoppolo. Are they better with Trey Lance? I have no idea, man. I have no idea what Trey Lance is. I want to watch him play more than anything. But right now, it's Brock Purdy's time. And if he pulls this off and they win the Super Bowl, man, I, 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 I can't disrespect him ever because this has been so much damn fun, man. It's just, it's a blast to see a quarterback who, you know, it goes out there with the intention of, making the right read and he throws accurate passes. I mean, my dad pointed out to me, he's been watching football a long time. Maybe not to like the degree that, you know, someone who works at ESPN is, but he's like, you know, I noticed something when, when Brock throws the ball to guys, it's not high, you know, it's sometimes low obviously, but it's not high. And I think the biggest problem I've had with Jimmy Garoppolo with his time with the 49ers, the ball is always high. And when that happens, guys like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, those guys tend to get hurt because they have to go for the ball. And it feels like Brock Purdy makes it a little bit easier on his receivers, which allows them to get down the field a little better and allows them to, you know, not get contact the minute they catch the ball. So I think that he's doing enough, right? He's doing what, what needs to be done in order for this team to continue to success. And I think that that's all I really have to ask for a rookie who was the seventh, was the seventh round pick final pick in the draft, man. It's impressive. And I'm happy with whatever happens here with him because he's already proven himself that he's, you know, at least deserves a, sh a shot to compete for this Super Bowl, man. That's really all I want to do is win the Super Bowl. I don't care who does it, you know, at this point. I just want to win. Uh, you, you said the biggest thing is all we want to do, no matter what quarterback it is, no matter who it is behind center, at the end of the day, I think Fort Anner fans just want to see another Super Bowl, right? Because, like, when you look at it, I mean – I don't think you're old enough to have witnessed a Super Bowl, right? Uh, I was five. I was five years old when they won the Super Bowl against um, San Diego. Well, but you don't remember that LA. shit, though, right? Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. So, like, realistically, <laughs> like, you're, you're you weren't old enough to remember a Super Bowl, but you and I are both old enough to remember seeing the 49ers lose twice in Super Bowl, which is very yeah. heartbreaking. And then I, I strongly believe if the 49ers would have advanced last year. And uh, from the NFC Championship, they win the Super Bowl. Like that team would have won the Super Bowl even with Jimmy Garoppolo Absolutely. at quarterback. Yeah, like you're playing the the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the and the team that they had, their offensive line was was struggling. Um, so I think you get past the the Bengals and won a Super Bowl last year. Now, let's go a little bit more towards what like the actual conversation though, because we just ran over Dallas. To me, end of the day, defensive wise. What do you appreciate the most from D'Amico Ryans? Obviously, what he did was a, was a display of so many different things, um, disguising looks, disguising blitzes, um, sending pressure when needed. Nick Bosa wasn't the Nick Bosa that we normally know, but that defensive line was still getting pressure. And I think the biggest thing is a lot of people, because like I know right away, like someone right away was like, oh, damn, we didn't really have any true sacks. And I'm like, yeah, yeah we didn't have true sacks, but pressure – is a little bit more important than sacks at times. Yes, you want to get home and you get that, you kill drives that way, but you also kill drives by putting pressure on Dak Prescott, and then Dak Prescott ends up throwing an interception to Fred Warner off the hands of Jaquaski Tart or uh, Jaquaski Tart dropped interception last year. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> but I'm still on last year. You know what I'm saying? Like um, Jimmy Ward. Off Deja vu. Of, Jimmy off the hands of Jimmy Ward. Yeah, uh, and then another pick where he rushed his throw because he thought he had pressure and then threw it to Demo. So for me, it's one of those ones, where did you think D'Amico did great? And then what are you going to miss from D'Amico Ryan when he leaves? You know, it's funny because 
I heard a space earlier, you know, Twitter spaces. There's tons of iron Twitter spaces all day. People talking all day, right? And people were like, well, we need to sack more often. And I think you just hit the nail on the head, Marco. And this is something I was looking forward to talking to you about is D'Amico Ryans. He obviously they're sacking the quarterback when they need to. Right. But I feel like he tells these guys, all right, just get pressure on him. If you get pressure on him, he's going to make a mistake. A lot of people talk about how the Dolphins were one of the best teams in football when the Niners played them. Right. But the Niners just pressured Tua and forced him to make errors which then made it so that game was, you know, ended up being a blowout. And I felt like D'Amico was so smart because what he does is if instead of just forcing sacks and trying to constantly sack people, he's setting up pressures where Dak Prescott's not comfortable. I mean, I don't feel like Mark on you could maybe tell me this better is I don't feel like D'Amico, I don't feel like Dak Prescott was confident in any time he threw the ball yesterday except for maybe that one time where he was wide open in the backfield and he threw the ball down the field and CD Lamb made a great catch because CD Lamb's a tremendous receiver. See, but on that, on that just... play call, though, what's crazy, though, is the fact that you say that it's, it's so true because Dak Prescott actually checked into that throw. Like, and normally you see Dak Prescott at the line of scrimmage checking things, doing a lot of pre snap um, IQ stuff that gets defenses off guard. Now, what Dak Prescott didn't realize is pre snap against Fred Warner, you he got beat. Fred Warner was checking back into certain things too. Like as soon as Dak checked uh, one of the players, or Dak checked, Fred Warner checked into he. So they go here, which is backing off the safeties and the linebackers. So they're they're dropping deeper rather than playing press. Because um, you could run people. The thing that people don't understand is you could run a zone out of press. So like a lot of it's a lot of like nuances and stuff that goes to it. So he he backed his he backed his corners up to run a, a zone, but to play the sticks. And then that's where Dak's like, damn, like he, I thought I was going to go deep, but instead, Tarverius Suarez is able to run with CeeDee Lamb. But I think you're right on that one. I think he wasn't confident in his throws because of D'Amico. And I think also, it's such a boon to have a really tremendous football team, right? Like, how many linebackers in the NFL can cover a guy with near blanket coverage who's one of the best receivers in the league, 35 yards down the field, Marco? I, I just don't. I don't see any Eagles linebackers doing it. I don't see any Cowboys linebackers doing it. I don't see the Chiefs. I don't see the the Bengals doing that. What what Fred Warner is doing in these playoffs is proving he's the best linebacker in football, and it's not even particularly close because, I mean, 35 yards down the field. Like, he's a better defensive back than Eli Apple. <laughs> I think I, – I disagree. So, man – Eli Apple, and this is for like another another day, but I know Eli I just wanted to shit talk Eli Apple a little bit. He's been a little cocky lately. He gets so much <laughs> shit, but dude, but he's actually a solid corner. But I no, do agree. I, I, I know a play you're talking about with Fred Warner running the scene with CD, right? That's the play that you're right now you have in your mind. Yeah. The crazy part is, is if fans go back and watch that play, right? The crazy part to me is D'Amico has Fred Warner in the A gap looking like he's gonna blitz. Fred Warner turns and runs, turns and runs, bro. And when you look at that play, if you're actually paying attention to what's going on, Dak Prescott missed a touchdown, bro. He missed missed T.Y. Hilton wide open, bro. Wide open. So um, D'Amico D'Amico had Fred Warner standing in the A-gap. He had... uh, uh, Gibson lined up like in the slot on on CD Lamb, and then he had Huff 
playing deep, but it was more so shaded towards CD side. Um, you and then on the other side you had T. Y. Hilton in the slot. Bro, he missed him wide open, streaking down the streaking down the seam for a touchdown. If not, he gets tackled by I want to say it was Demo on that side at like the five yard line, bro. He missed it completely, and that's because pressure does that, right? When you're under pressure, you miss wide open throws. You know, no, I don't think any defense in the NFL, whether it's the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Niners, any defense is making is perfect, right? There's never a time if you have a decent head coach and someone who knows how to scheme people open, someone's going to be open, right? But when you have the kind of pressure the 49ers are seeing on every single play with Kinlaw, Bosa, whoever it is, Amenahu, Armstead, it's just constantly coming in on them, right? I just think that that's what leads to mistakes and where they miss these kind of throws that teams are hit and that's how teams, you know, beat win games they shouldn't win, right? Or make throws that don't happen. That's what happened with DK, right? DK caught that ball over or over Ward because there were, the pressure wasn't there right at the beginning of that game. And the, when the pressure got there, Geno Smith started freaking out, started throwing picks, started looking a more like a little bit more like the Geno Smith we've seen for most of the season. And the 49ers ended up, you know, dog walking them towards the end of that game because of that, because the pressure finally got there. When the pressure's there, I don't think any quarterback can beat the 49ers. I absolutely agree with you. Like, I, I, like so the play that I, that we're, we're both mentioning, right, for the Fred Warner, it was a perfectly timed blitz by D'Amico Ryan's out of the slot but with Gibson, right? Gibson's normally playing that free safety role um, up high. Um, and a perfectly timed blitz, and it forces Dak to get rid of it. Because if not, if he – I feel Dak knows what he wants to do with the ball usually. Like, he's Dak's a good quarterback. Like, as much as people say he's not, he's actually a pretty solid quarterback. And pre-snap – he saw Gibson matched up with C.D. Lamb. Now, what he didn't see was the blitz was coming and Fred was getting out of there. Now, he probably should have checked to a different route, to a hot route or something, and, and gotten a play. Uh, he missed T.Y. Hilton because of not being able to get through his progressions and get that throw. Because if he, if he has time, he's hitting T.Y. Hilton streaking open for a touchdown. Right after that play, it was actually the, – they ended up punting. Um, and then T.Y. Hill, and they show T.Y. Hill and him yelling at each other. Like, T.Y. Hill was like, bro, you missed me. You got to hit that. Like, that's game. We we, we tie the game. Um, and it is interesting. So, on Clutch Gene Sports, what we do is we always find the Clutch Gene player of the game. Um, there's players that have that Clutch Gene in them. Um, who, do you, who would you give the Clutch Gene player of the game to offensively or defensively? Or if you want, you could give two awards, one on offense and one on defense. It's George Kittle. I mean, that that catch is insane. How'd he catch that? I, I still don't know how he caught that. And it's it's just one of those things where when you have elite playmakers, they make elite plays. And, you know, that pass was ahead, right? That was a, not a good throw by Brock Purdy. It was too far ahead. It was overthrown almost. But when you have great football players, they find a way to make that play. That play was huge because that allowed them to continue to drive down the field. I'm pretty sure that was where they kicked a field goal to put them up, you know, an extra score, or, uh, um, a little over a touchdown where things kind of got a little crazy. I'm trying to think, what was that I one? Think, I think they scored a touchdown after that catch. That was the touchdown one? I believe so. I believe that okay. was the, the, I believe that was the drive that um, it hit, he hit him. And then right after that, that was the, the one where 
Um, Christian McCaffrey ended up scoring like a two-yard touchdown or one-yard yes. touchdown, something like that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, right? And that's the kind of stuff when we're thinking about the Eagles, right? These kind of plays, the, the way these guys play, the way this team is, that's kind of why I think they have a real chance against the Eagles because they are battle-tested. The Eagles are very good, right? But Jalen Hurts isn't really battle-tested, right? He played a Giants team that isn't very good. The Niners have now played a Seahawks team that not only overperformed, but was probably one of the better teams in the playoffs. They're better than Tampa. They're better than Minnesota. And they were definitely better than New York. Maybe not better than Dallas. I think Dallas was actually really good, to be honest with you. But that Seahawks team was actually pretty good. I think that the Eagles are in for a kind of a rude awakening against the 49ers because I don't think that they're ready to play a team this physical, a team that's going to pressure them as much. And I just, there's this thing, Marco, I've been talking about it a lot since this game, since the Seahawks game, the 49ers do this thing and you might be able to explain it a little better than I can, but it feels like in the third quarter, something breaks, you know, like almost like a, a pane of glass breaking towards the end of the third quarter where a team just goes from being composed and ready to play the 49ers to making mistakes, penalties, and allowing run lanes. And I just feel like that's Kyle Shanahan's offense and D'Amico Ryan's defense. It just does something to these teams who aren't the 49ers where they cannot continue to play ball with this team. So the way I look at it, Nate, is so have you ever watched boxing? Yes. So you know how like when – when the commentators are and during boxing are like, attack the body, attack the body. It's gonna pay off in the in the championship rounds around 10, 10 through twelve. That's where it's yeah. gonna pay off. Make sure you attack the body. Well, essentially, that's what the 49ers do, right? They run the ball. They run the ball even when it's not working. Kyle stuck with the run in the first half. It was not working, and he stuck with the run. And those body blows from the offensive line on that defensive line. When you have Trent Williams mowing you down, you got Eric Banks. Michael Vinci is a hell of a run block, uh, run blocker. Um, Burford is very physical for a rookie. That wears down defenses. And then once you wear down a defense and Kyle got his run game going, that's when things start changing for the 49ers because Kyle usually comes out first uh, after that half. He either goes play action because he knows teams are going to uh, try to stop that run or he's going to run it down your throat. So the crazy part is – they're. Uh, during my lunch, I did a, a quick kind of like a stat look at, like, right, charted real quick. Um, did it super fast. I wanted to see how Kyle Shanahan changed his game plan. So, in the second half, 20 of 29 plays went for runs. That's 69% of plays that Kyle called in the second half that went for runs. And the 49ers didn't get the ball in the second half. Um, until, man, because I know Dallas got the ball back-to-back like five minutes, right? And then 49ers yeah. did a three and out because they couldn't move the ball. But Kyle ran the ball. Those He ran two out of those two out of those three plays on three and out were run plays. He came back seven out of his um, seven, uh, ten play, a ten play drive that they scored on the George Kittle catch. Ten of those plays, or seven of those plays were runs, ten play total for 91 yards. That lasted six minutes. Now, when a, when, a, when a team could do that, right, they run the ball on you, and they were running effectively. It wasn't like two, three yards. It was eight yards, six mm-hmm. yards, five yards. Like they, they were nice runs. So when you when you, that's happening to you, you get worn down, and you start feeling like, man, this team is more physical than us. 
they are able to do whatever the hell they want. And then, so then, they scored a touchdown, right? Kyle comes back on the next drive, a 13-play, 64 yards. He gets a field goal on it. It lasted eight minutes, Nate. Eight minutes. That's when you suck the life out of a defense, a life out of a team across from you and saying, I could control the ball all damn day by running the ball three and a half, four yards per carry, and you can't do nothing about it because your defensive line is tired, your linebackers are struggling, and Micah Parsons is getting his ass handed to by Trent Williams every play. That is exactly what Kyle Shanahan did, and then D'Amico Ryan just keeps it physical, sending pressure. Fred Warner, um, Dre Greenlaw, uh, Nick Bosa, these dudes are just laying the, 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 the wood on the running backs quarter. That's how you, you deflate other teams. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan did. Yeah. And it's, it just feels like when you do that, you're unbeatable. I mean, I don't think personally, I don't believe that there's a team that can out physical the 49ers. They may be able to outscore the 49ers or be, have a better offense than the 49ers. But the problem is, is, you know, people are talking about the Eagles' offense. And I know we're switching back and forth to the Eagles and the Cowboys, but people are talking a lot about the Eagles' offense, right? Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate before he got hurt, all this stuff. But are the Eagles going to be able to run the ball with Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott over and over again on when they can't run the ball and Jalen Hurts has to pass the ball down the field? Like, it's just, there's so much when you play the 49ers. The thing, though, is, Nate, is like, Jalen Hurts doesn't have to throw the ball consistently or down the field, right? Because he has legs that one of the best running quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, because he does it with a purpose and he does it very smartly. Like he'll he'll get down and not take a hit, but he'll also run you over if he needs that yard. So I think that's going to be the biggest factor in yeah. that, that championship game. I want. I mean, and if he runs, you hit him, right? He's but a the runner. Thing is, though, is hit him. So the thing is though is is you you at you. You want that mentality, right, to hit him, but then the fan base is going to get pissed if Jalen Hurts slides late and then someone goes in and hits him, right? Because in that 15 yards, un- undisciplined, which is a stupid flag in my opinion, but I get exactly what you're saying. You, you got you to hit him. You have to – to beat the Eagles in Philadelphia, you're going to have to be more physical than you even were with the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that – Marco, I think there were three teams in the NFC that could potentially go to the Super Bowl this whole year. It was Dallas, it was San Francisco, and it was Philadelphia. And a lot of the year, I thought Dallas was better than Philadelphia. I thought they just had some bad breaks. But Philadelphia is stacked all over the board, right? They have the most sacks in the NFL. They've got a great secondary. Their linebackers, I think, I think Dallas probably has better linebackers. But And hopefully Kyle Shanahan realizes that and uses it to her advantage. But the biggest thing that really sticks to me when you look at Dallas versus Philadelphia is Dallas allows runs more often or Philadelphia allows runs more often than, than Dallas did. And if we could run the ball on the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles will not be able to keep up with the 49ers. I just don't see it. I, I understand that Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott are good at what they do, but the 49ers defense stopping the run is better at what they do. And they're not going to let those guys run. And I think that my biggest worry, if anything, is how does D'Amico Ryans play Jalen Hurts, like you just said, because he didn't put a quarterback spy on, on Dak Prescott, right? And Dak Prescott obviously isn't necessarily a runner. You know, he doesn't run all the time. 
but Jalen Hurts is. And so what's the game plan to stop Jalen Hurts when, because, you know, when it's not working with Kenneth Gainwell or Miles Sanders, they're going to run the ball Jalen Hurts, right? That's going to be, the, they ha- they're going to have to do something because they're if they get three and out multiple times, those Philadelphia fans are going to start throwing shit on the field because they're assholes. And so, yeah, go for it. I get what you're saying. But thing is, for for Jalen Hurts, is he's actually a good pocket passer, right? Like, so he could beat you from the pocket. Now, what concerns me is if, now we're going a little into the the Eagles game a little bit. But um, what concerns me is AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goder. Those are good weapons. Yeah. yeah, AJ Brown is a legit receiver. Devonta Smith is a legit number two. He can create space. He can get open. How does Demo? hold up against them. How does Charverius Ward hold up against them? We've seen Charverius Ward against DK Metcalf. Um, that's that's the biggest question mark yeah. to me because if they create space, they have the best offensive line in the NFL, and it's not an argument. I, I like they, They're across their offensive line. It is elite. It could, to me, that is the best offensive line. So I think they're going to be able to protect him. Now, when the opportunity is there and he has the time, how does our back end hold up against their good receivers and good weapons? Yeah, I mean, I think that the – I think Ward got beat by DK Metcalf two weeks ago, obviously, right? Like, there's no doubting that. But I think before that – before that, he took care of DK Metcalf in two straight games, right? In Seattle and at home, DK Metcalf didn't really get the better of him. He got his ass kicked two weeks ago. And I hope that, you know, Charverius Ward being the kind of guy he is – realizes that A.J. Brown is just like D.K., and if he doesn't come out with his A game, he will get beat downfield. Because, And I think that hopefully getting beat by D.K. you know, makes him second-guess or just makes him more aware not to get beat by A.J. Brown. And I think that you know, um, a friend of ours, David Lichty, said something about, you know, a lot of people have been shitting on, on Lenore, you know, right? A lot of people have been shitting on Lenore. But he has actually played pretty decent football. I, I don't think he's been bad. No, he's played solid football, but he he's going to give up a, a big play here and there, right? And yeah. that's the thing is, can he limit how many big plays he gives up? Yeah, and I think that that's going to be another part of it. It's it's a more complete offense than what they played yesterday, for sure. But is is the defense better outside of the pass rush? They can't stop the run. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. They can't stop the run. The thing is, though, is... So, the Philadelphia, what Philadelphia can do, they 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 do struggle with the, the run, but they also majority of the season, like the back end of the year, they didn't have a Dominican Sue. They didn't have their rookie Jordan Davis there. With those two guys, they've been playing much better. They've been playing the run much better. But now what they could do is with the corners they have outside with uh, Darius Slay, and I believe they have James Bradbury on the other side. They yeah. could man up with, with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and Jawan Jennings. So they could stack the box and say, all right, beat, beat me with your quarterback. I'm going to go one-on-one all game because I, I trust Darius Slay and I trust James Bradbury. And then they have two good corners. They got uh, safeties. They have uh, Garner Johnson. And then, dang, who's their other starting safety? It's not Epps. Oh, man. But they have two good safeties, too. So, like, they could yeah. do a lot of things defensively. You know what I mean? No, and I, I think that that's another factor where – Coaching comes into factor into play. Kyle Shanahan is, I mean, at this point, Marco, I think he's top three head coach in the league. At, I wouldn't and argue I think it. That, I think he could be too if Mike Tomlin doesn't, you know, get back into the playoffs in the next two years. 
Um, obviously, it's Andy Reid, number one. But uh, Kyle Shanahan, they have the Niners have a huge coaching advantage in this game. I think that that's a big part of it. And I think that scheming Debo and IU can Kittle open and letting your rookie quarterback get a couple easy throws or get, you know, just get something. I feel like Kyle Shanahan is, is the best, has the best ability to get guys open at least, right? I feel like they have the talent, they have the coach, get guys open and make people miss. And that's what they've done all year, right? Like, obviously we know their secondary and safeties are great. But Kyle Shanahan, whoever the hell the Eagles linebackers are, Kyle Shanahan is going to have those guys in a in a tizzy. He is going to put them through their paces because Kyle Shanahan is probably one of the best offensive coordinators I've ever seen at just making linebackers fucking hate their lives. Like, I've never seen a guy who makes linebackers' lives so miserable than Kyle Shanahan. And I think that the fact that the linebacking core of the Eagles is not as good as the Dallas Cowboys could be a boon into helping them potentially get some stuff going in the middle of the field. I, I mean, I just don't want the, the Brock Purdy luck to wear out quite yet. I think that if Kyle can scheme them open, Brock just has to get them the ball. And he's done a pretty good job of that so far. No, I, I 100% agree with you in the fact that Kyle could take advantage of the linebackers. He could take advantage of the run game, but I don't think they're they're that far on on the coaching like being the Niners having the better coaches. I think the Niners have a better coaches. Don't get me wrong, but dude, Nick Sirianni is a hell of a coach. Um, Jonathan Gannon, I believe that's their defensive coordinator, um, hell of a coach. Their their coaching staff is is really really good. Um, Nick Sirianni, what I do give him credit for is the energy. And the aggressiveness where if they have the opportunity, he's going to take advantage of, let's say, for example, they have the ball with the minute 15, right? 10, 10 the half, 10 the half. He's not going to pull some Kyle Shanahan and say, okay, well, let's settle for three because I like where we're at in this game. He's going for seven and he's attacking you deep and he's going to try to get a pass interference call. And he's going to do things that he has to do in order for the stuff to happen. So for me, I think the coaching, the coaching is right there with each other. Now it just comes down to execution, like you just said. Can Brock Purdy execute what Kyle gives him? Does the pressure of the the defensive line uh, from Philadelphia is it too much? Now we saw it look like a little too much during the Dallas game at times, where I felt like there's a few plays that I want to go back and watch, um, where I felt like Brock Purdy either held onto the ball too long or he bowed too early. Like and it was, and it's because once you start getting pressure and you're getting constant pressure, you start seeing, you start feeling it a little faster than usual. But what I do want, I want to jump back to the Dallas game, right? Because Dallas was talking a lot of shit heading and coming into the game, stuff they were saying, right? Now, where do you, what do you think of the comments from Micah Parsons after Debo Samuel? came out and said, hey, check this out. Don't poke the bear. Posted pictures, and it even included a quote that Micah Parsons said. Is that fun and games, or do you think that's personal? I think this is Kyle Shanahan doing this, and, and here's why. I just feel like the way these guys act after they win tells me everything I need to know, right? They beat the they beat the, the Seahawks, right? Unfor Fred Warner, unfortunately, they had to play the Niners, right? And I just feel like Kyle Shanahan finds these bulletin board material things 
and he plasters them all around the locker room. He puts, you know, Micah Parsons or Dak Prescott saying, well, this is who we wanted on every TV in that locker room. Kyle Shanahan is really good at getting these guys up and ready to play whoever's ahead of them. And I just pray, ever, I pray so badly that Nick Sirianni says something stupid in a press conference over the next couple days that Kyle Shanahan can use to just make them ready to punch him in the face. Because I think the 49ers, if you give them bulletin board material, they're going to go out there and they're going to make sure they run with it. I mean, Debo Samuel saying, don't poke the bear. That tells me all I need to know, right? You don't poke the 49ers. You don't say anything. If the Eagles are smart, they keep their mouth shut for the next four days. They don't say a freaking word because the minute they say something, the 49ers will have it on every locker room, every locker, every wall. Kyle Shanahan will make sure he's yelling it at them in practice. I just feel like, the, and obviously I'm not there. I'm not there at the practice, but the way these guys act tells me all I need to know. And I think that that's how Kyle Shanahan is. And I think that's what he does to these guys. And it's working, right? You know, they hate Dallas. They hate Seattle. And they went out there and they punched him in the mouth for four quarters. And I hope, I hope the Eagles say something. I hope someone says something. Because if they do, it'll just help the 49ers case even more. Especially since the fact that they're not playing at home. They're playing in Philadelphia. Which while I think isn't the hardest place to play, those fans are fucking assholes, man. And they're going to say some wild shit to them while they're on that field. It's, and it's not going to be loud as Seattle was. I think when Brock Purdy went to Seattle and won, that was pretty impressive because I remember Kaepernick's rookie year in Seattle and how bad that went. And I know he's playing the Legion of Boom. I totally understand that. But that stadium does something to your psyche. I've been in that stadium. It's loud as hell. And that's just sitting in the stands. Being on that field, I couldn't imagine how it feels. And so I just feel like they need everything they can. They need every ammo, any, any way to get up they can to beat this Eagles team in Philadelphia. I absolutely agree because Kyle Shanahan even said it the other day. He goes, yeah, I, I, I talked smack to, to Fred Warner. And Fred Warner mentioned it to you. Like, yeah, they talked smack to us, telling us how we're not that good. We're not the best linebacker group in the NFL. And, like, it pisses that defense off. Like, he knows how to get at them, and he knows how to get to his players, right? So I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if Kyle said, hey, they wanted you guys. Like, damn. I would want to like, and I could see Kyle Shanahan saying some sneaky ass remark where he's like, "Yeah, if if if, if I'm if I'm another team too, I don't want to play you. I want I'd want to play you guys too. You guys gave up 34 points to the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that's not even in the playoffs. Like you know, like you could you could see stuff pissing like like that. Oh yeah, like talking off. to Nick Bosa and being like, "Oh well, too bad too bad as a team we don't have 70 sacks, right? Like we wouldn't it be nice if our defensive line had 70 sacks. Wow, and I'm that sure he's gonna use that." Oh, he will for sure, right? Like totally. Like he's like for sure. Like that's how he gets to his player. Like he's for sure gonna say some remark. Like, oh yeah, you know, the best defensive front seven in the league has seventy sacks. That's four four per game. Man, our offensive line has to face the best defense. Like you know, like saying something yeah, like that and then saying, exactly. oh, because I know there's people out there saying, oh, um, that like I just said, the Philadelphia Eagles have the best. Uh, offensive line in the NFL, I guarantee you he's going to use that. I guarantee you the 70 sacks is going to be used towards Trent Williams and his offensive line. Like, that's the stuff that fuels these dudes. And it's it's crazy how every week since they started three and four, 
have gone on a win streak. They've not given up. They've not stopped. And I, I think it's just a testament to the coaching that Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryans have done. Um, the the culture that they have built there, um, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in general. Um, did you think Kyle Shanahan and 49ers were going to come out and blow out the Dallas Cowboys? Or did you actually think it was going to be a close game? I think the stat line for when I saw Dallas is fifth in running defense, right? By DVOA standards. That told me all I need to know. This is going to be a dog fight. The Dallas Cowboys are not the Dallas Cowboys of last year. They're a much better defense. I think everybody knew they were a much better defense, right? And while the offense is like, you know, it's kind of the same offense, Tony Pollard is a much better running back. And yes, they did get him hurt. Uh, I don't think that was on purpose. The guy who was yeah, tweeting that is wild. Man. Just like the Mahomes one wasn't on purpose. You know, um, but they were a better team this year than last year. And they came out and made a statement with that in that first quarter where they didn't let us run. You know, Christian McCaffrey was getting stuffed right at the line of scrimmage every single time. And I kind of, you kind of knew what this was going to be. This wasn't going to, they weren't going to score 40 points. No one was going to score 40 points in this game. And I don't think they're going to score 40 points next week. I think that this, these next two games, you know, now that, well, this next game is going to be just like last week. It's going to be a knockdown drag out fight on defense where the best defense wins and Kyle Shanahan finds a way to get a lead and then runs the ball to run the clock down. That's how you win with a defense like this. You know, don't force your quarterback to throw if he doesn't have to. I understand we're having a blast with Brock Purdy being, you know, way better than anyone ever thought, but there's no reason for a rookie seventh round quarterback to be throwing, you know, if he doesn't have to use your all, your all pro running back as much as possible. They were using Elijah Mitchell and he was getting eight and 10 yard, just gashes. I mean, if they can run the ball, they can win this game. And I, I understand the Eagles are totally better than the Cowboys, but this is going to be just like last, this last week, but this is a team that's not as good against the run. And so hopefully they can run the ball consistently and just find a way to get the ball to Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk. And 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 Brock Purdy take care of the football, like he has so far. Knock on wood. I hope he continues to do that because what he's doing, just protecting the football, and, and you know maybe he does have a horseshoe in his ass, like my friend from Dallas said this week. But uh, you know, for him to be protecting the football as well as he has, when we've had you know the problems with Jimmy Garoppolo, where he makes that stupid turnover almost every single game that just kind of puts you know clinches your butthole a little bit. That 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 has been a huge boon for this defense and a huge boon for this offense, having a quarterback that doesn't make stupid throws that turn the ball over or just getting lucky and not having the other team catch the ball, whatever it is. I mean, I wish Dre Greenlaw had caught that ball for a pick six. There's We could say a million different things we wish happened, right? But so far, they have played their game against the first two opponents and found a way to win. And I there's nothing... No part of me that believes that their, their game will not work against the Eagles. And I think it's this is going to be close, just like the Cowboys. People are going to be on Twitter calling for Kyle, calling for Brock, calling for whatever the hell they want. But there's four, you know, Marco, I, I lived in Seattle for four years. And there's one thing that Pete Carroll always said that made me, that is so, makes so much sense, right? And I try to tell this to people on Twitter. Do you win in the first quarter? No. Do you win in the second quarter? No. Do you win in the third quarter? No. You win in the fourth quarter. It takes four quarters to win a football game. And Kyle Shanahan in the second half is the best head coach around. 
so people need to stop freaking out. It's going to be close again. And you just ride out with your team, no matter what. I hope to God they win. But I mean, as long as they give it their all and they go out there and put everything on the line, I'm proud of these guys. I know I want, we all want six, but these guys are working their ass off and they've really, really come back from a bad situation. I think that three and four to, to the, the NFC championship game is, it's really impressive. And it shows, you know, the, the, the character of these guys and the character of this head coach and the, you know, these coaches, you know, D'Amico's going to be gone at the end of the year. We'll see what happens next year with that. But like everyone in that building has put everything on the line to win this game against the Eagles and win this game against whoever in the super, they play in the super bowl. And I, I, there's no, no part of me that doubts that that's the case. These guys want this more than anything. They want this more than they want to breathe. And I truly, and I truly believe that as a fan. And, and as a fan, I think that's all you can ask out of your football team. It's one of those ones where you you can't you can't complain in the sense of what they've done, the run that they've gone on with Brock Purdy has been phenomenal. Like it's hard to bash a team when they've gone on a run like that. Like you really, it's really hard. Now, there was also negatives in that Dallas game. What was something negative? or something that needs to be cleaned up from your perspective that could potentially alter the 49ers season if they don't clean it up. The offensive line play was not good in the first half. I mean, I felt like I understand they're playing a good defense, but the offensive line, Mike McGlitchy getting thrown to the ground by Michael Parsons. When I saw that, that, that footage, I was like, that's kind of embarrassing, man. Like, and I know McGlinchey probably won't be here next year. You know, they didn't sign his fifth year or any of that stuff, but like, uh, the offensive line has to be better, right? 70 sacks, 70 sacks. You're playing a team that got 70 sacks and the Cowboys team you just played did not do that. You have to be better. You have to protect this kid better. I understand like we all, you know, some people think he can't do anything wrong, but he's still a rookie, man. This is still a rookie quarterback out there. And while he's been, you know, pretty composed and hasn't been, you know, toe tappy McGee, like Jimmy Garoppolo out there. There's sometimes where he gets a little, little scared when they're, that pressure hits him. He actually, actually, the 49ers did pick up his fifth year option. He is on they his did. fifth year option right now. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. I just wanted, I just wanted to make sure. I thought, I thought they did. So I, I looked that up real quick just to clarify. He is gotcha. on his fifth year option um, after this year. He is a unrestricted free agent at the age of 29. Um, a little bit older for a guy that you want to extend. Um, but hey. Uh, like you should say right now, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, they struggled to struggle in the run yeah. game. And then I don't, I don't know if the pressures were because of the offensive line because I felt like they did a good job majority of the game, but I felt like there was nothing downfield and Brock Purdy held onto the ball a little too long, yeah. or he would scramble a little too early. What did you? Think? My buddy who was at the game, he was telling me he's like nobody's open, nobody's open, and there's nothing he can do. And so when nobody's open, what does a rookie quarterback do? Right, he just throws the ball away. And I think that. I mean, thank God he threw the ball away instead of trying to like make too much happen. They took two sacks pretty early in that game, but he wasn't sacked much after that, right? Like he just started throwing the ball away. And I, I don't know if Kyle got in his ear and said, just throw the fucking thing away or whatever he did. But I mean, if nobody's open, throw the ball away. It's just Kyle has to, and I hate to put it all on Kyle, but like they have to find a way to get people open, right? They're playing a much better secondary next week. Kittle has to be open more. Ayuk, Debo, Debo got Debo got tackled behind the line of scrimmage for the first time I've ever seen that happen. I, you don't see that happen but ever, that, right? 
Are you talking about the play where Demarcus Lawrence made a play? Yeah. I felt like Juice missed that block. Did you think Juice missed that block? He did that miss block? that block. Was... So, he did like... miss the block, but I, it was still surprising because usually he breaks that tackle even if Juice makes the block, right? Yeah, that's what's crazy is like the execution because if Juice makes that block, you got him one-on-one with Trevon Diggs. Hey, I'm taking Debo 10 gonzo. out of 10 times. Gonzo. Yeah, totally. And I just think that offensive line needs to play better and the execution needs to be a little better in Philadelphia against the Eagles, against a team with, you know, a much better offense that I don't think, I mean, obviously, who knows? This defense is so crazy sometimes. I don't think they're going to score only 12 points. I think that they're going to score more than 12 points. It may only be like 17, 18 points, right? But I still think with an offense this talented, they're going to get some sort of, they're going to get more than, you know, one touchdown on you. They're going to find a way to put points on the board and you need to answer that. And I just think that while this, uh, this defense is awesome, the offense has to find a rhythm sooner than the second half. I think that the, the, the run game has to get going right away. I would love it. Love it, Marco. If they, uh, they say they win the coin, they win, they lose the coin toss and they have to start on offense again. Right. I would absolutely love it if Kyle Shanahan ran the ball with Christian McCaffrey right down their fucking throat for 10 yards on the first play. Just boom, right away. Hey, how's it going? This is your building? Yeah, we're going to make you hate it. We're going to make you hate playing us today. This is not going to be fun for you. You think that last week was fun? I'm glad you had fun and you're pointing at the camera and you're doing this thing in the camera where you know you're, you're being a jackass. This is not going to be fun. You don't want to play us. This is not going to be a blast. Your fans are going to be miserable. Everyone's going to drive home sad today because this is what we're going to do. We're going to come into your building and we're going to punch you in the fucking neck. And that's what I want. I want them to be as physical as possible and make a statement right at the start of that game. The first time they have the ball, the first time they're on defense, make a statement. You're in Philadelphia. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. Make a statement that makes them second guess who they're playing. Because they're not playing the Giants anymore. They're not playing Danny Dimes. They're not playing, you know, I know Saquon Barkley's tremendous, but they don't have a receiver to save their fucking life. You know, Richie James is starting for that team. And I like Richie James. He's fun, right? But he's not a starting wide receiver in the league. And so I just want them to make a point early in that game. This is not the New York Giants. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Did my AirPod die? I don't know why, but my freaking my computer muted me for some reason. Oh, you're good. No, you're good. What don't did you say? Ever, don't ever disrespect the 49ers legend Richie James like that ever again, man. <laughs> I know, right? No, no I know. I love all that right, joke. Bro. You're absolutely right. I 100% agree with you. It's just, I, I want, I just want, I want to make Nick Sariani uncomfortable because watching that game Saturday night and seeing how comfortable he was just fucking putting pouring points on the giants. That's not going to happen with the 49ers. I know it's not going to happen, but I want to make them uncomfortable early in that game where even if they do score, Nick Sariani isn't getting in the camera and doing this. I want, I want his dream catcher fucking broken in half by halftime. You know, his stupid dream catcher chain, whatever the hell that thing the was. The DC one? Yeah, God. So, I would say I, I agree with guy. the offensive line guys to be better. Um, but one area I'm going to I'm gonna for sure say looked like last year's version of itself was the 49ers special teams unit. 
Yeah. Warriors we kicked right to what's his name? Very big negative. Like they were ranked like 30th in the NFL last year. Um, Obviously, Raymond McLeod comes over, hasn't fumbled a ball all season when everyone was like mad that when they signed him, oh, he has fumble issues, he has fumble issues. And then he coughs up a ball in the biggest moment of the game right after um, the three and out by the 49ers uh, defense. Gives them the ball back. Um, they end up getting three off of it. Um, there was two returns, I believe, that Turpin returned to like the Turpin, 50. Yeah. Um, one he returned over past the 50, it's like the 47. Um, that's just ridiculous. You can't be at, at the end ridiculous. of the day when you know how elite Turpin is as a returner, you got to kick it out of the end zone. And I feel that was the biggest mistake um, for the 49ers special teams unit is not doing what they're supposed to do on on kickoff. But I do got to give shout the give props to Raymond McLeod because after his fumble, Dallas gets three. He's on the sideline. Everyone tell him, "Hey, bro, go return this one. Make sure you make it worth it." He ends up returning the ball to like the 45, 50 yard line. Yeah. And sadly, the offense didn't make anything out of it. That was like their drive. They got through, went three and out in the second half. So I feel like the special teams and unit needs to be better to win this, this next game. It's funny you mentioned that too with the Turpin thing. Like, how many times did Dallas start on like their own 45 or the 49ers, you know, 50 yard line, the 49er? And, and the defense still found a way to only have them get three or, you know, and stop them from scoring a touchdown for the most part. So, Hats off to the 49ers defense because they they played up to that, right? But at the same time, you're absolutely right. Kick the ball out of the end zone. If the guy is running the ball back on you and you're not tackling him before the 25-yard line, kick the ball out of the end zone and make him start on the 25. Because if the Eagles are starting on their 40 or their 50, I don't feel as confident. Because like you said at the beginning of this, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, I almost said Dalton Schultz, <laughs> Dallas Goddard, you know, those guys are going to make you pay. And I know that I trust our defense to, you know, to, to make those, to limit those guys. But there's going to be a time where they get theirs, right? There's going to be a time where they get, you know, some miraculous play. It happens. Football's, you know, you're never going to hold the team to 100 yards. It just doesn't happen. You're not, no one's the, no one's the 85 Bears. You know, that's the crazy part. Like, is what the 400, I've, I've been a firm believer and I've been saying it all year. What the 49ers defense has been doing with the short field at times because of the, whether the offense struggles at the beginning of the year and then we would punt, they'd get a good return. They'd have great field position and then the returns, not just return game, uh, return kickoff um, hasn't been that good. Uh, I know their, deep, their special teams have been much better, but I feel like that's the biggest area where it changes games, right? Like literally, if, if Dallas was a good offense, um, like everyone said they were, right? If, if they were that team, Dallas, y'all, y'all trash, by the way. Um, y'all haven't realized you said in the beginning of the show, I'm gonna say it again. Dallas is trash. Um, but if they were good enough, they would have put up way more points because of where they have the ball. They have the ball at least three times at their own 40 or better. Yeah. Like that is ridiculous to only score what they score 16, 14 points, whatever the case may be, 13. Yeah. If 12 points 12 total. Points, yeah, 12, something, something ridiculous. Defense 12 points blocks. total. They never scored a touchdown, I don't think. No, they did. They scored a touchdown. Oh, they did. You're right. You're and right. They, 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 they missed their, the field their, goal. Their trash kicker missed his trash field goal, you know. But it's like, <laughs> hey, crazy. This is how you know the 49ers are ultimately locked in, right? Pre-game. Their kicker, I don't know what his name is. Brett I mean, I don't, you don't deserve to know your someone's name when you miss five <laughs> field goals in the playoffs like that. So, what's crazy? Because he's warming up. 
warm up on their side of the field. So what happens is normally the Niners warm up on the, I think it's the south side of the field and the north side, the other team uh, um, warms up. This dude's over here kicking on the 49ers side of the field, and I knew the moment, the moment, like all my, because I had butterflies like during the week, like damn, like kind of nervous. But the moment I lost all nerves was when I saw Trent Williams standing there like this, not letting him kick. <laughs> the moment I saw that and then Debo came over and was yeah. talking to him too, like now you're not kicking, is the moment I knew the 49ers were going to win. Like absolutely, like guaranteed. Like I knew they were going to win the whole week, but like that was the moment I was like, there's no way they're losing today. Like after seeing that, like that was that yeah. was funny because then first kick ended up getting blocked. And even if it's not blocked, it's probably going 20 feet to the left into the stands. And it's going to look like uh, I'm going to, it's going to be jacked up saying it, but if you remember when Chase McLaughlin kicked that field goal for the 49ers that ended up hitting yeah. the, the, um, against the Seattle Seahawks. The, yeah. Yeah. They hit the tunnel. That's, yeah. that's where the ball would have landed for the Dallas Cowboys kicker. If it wasn't blocked, like that's how bad it was. Yeah. Um. No, they were in his head. And, and, and I hope that, you know, obviously they're playing a much better kicker. They're playing a much better team, but I just want them to come out, even though they're in Philadelphia, and just get in the Eagles' head. Because while the Eagles have players who have been there, I just think this is a football team that's battle tested. They're mean. They're physical. And if they can, if they can really just be themselves and really come out and just show the Eagles, like this isn't going to be an easy day, the Eagles will fold by the fourth quarter. So. During the game, there was a moment that you remember during that game, right? Obviously, there's everyone remembers this game. What was the most exciting outside of George Kittle? I'm gonna take away the George Kittle play, okay? Because I know you're gonna go that play if I if I threw that one out there. What was the the most remember memorable game outside of the George Kittle play that you'll never forget from this playoff game? Uh that's tough because you took away the one that I remember the most, right? It had to be one of the interceptions, right? Either the Fred or the Lenore. I think probably the Lenore, just because it was so early in the game. And people, you know, Twitter spaces, Twitter, people talked so much shit about Lenore after, you know, um, the last couple of games. And for him to come out and immediately get a pick, I wish he took it to the house. How cool would that have been if he just took it straight to the house right away? I mean, I that was cribbing it. I, I, I did too at first, and then, you know, he got hit over. But the fact that, you know, and this is another thing about the 49ers, right? For this kid, who's what, 23, 24 years old, out of Oregon, for him to be, at the start of the year, he was not the starting corner, right? He, it, it was Emmanuel Mosley who's been, was was phenomenal, right? He was really good. And for this kid to be put in this position now and see the stuff people are talking shit. Like he did an interview with NBC sports Bay area and the comments were awful. I don't know if you read the comments on that. They were awful. And for him to not fold, cause we've seen 49er corners fold before, you know, like uh, what, what was the name of the guy they drafted who ended up going to Seattle and then Seattle cut him in. And he went to Pittsburgh. No, he got uh, traded cool. to Pittsburgh. You're talking about a Keller Witherspoon. He's actually Keller back. Has he bounced back now? Yeah, he's actually played pretty pretty well, man. He uh, outside, of, but he wasn't even that bad when he was with us. It was his biggest issue was giving up big plays, but he was he was constantly in great position. Like Demo's in great position. He they're, they're both they have, they both have the same weakness right now. That that when Akella Witherspoon was with us is 
at the at the catch point. They 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 struggle there, but I get what yeah. you're saying. I just think that that for a kid, you know, to see that kind of stuff as an as as a 32 year old man, right? If people were saying that kind of stuff about me, I don't know if I would be able to do what Lenore has done. I'm not built like that. It's hard to have someone have the whole feel what feels like the whole world talking shit about you, and to go out there and and play good football. And and Lenore played good football yesterday. He wasn't like the best corner in the world, right? He's not, you know, Darius Slay or whatever. But but to play good football when the whole world feels like it's stacked against you, I think that's really cool, man. I think that's one of the things that makes sports really awesome. And I think that, you know, Lenore got a fan out of me from that pick just because I saw how awful the stuff people said all week was. And I'll stand up for Lenore as long as he gives me a reason to stand up for him, you know? And even, even if he gets burned by A.J. Brown next week, I'm still proud of the kid because the stuff people said was awful, Marco. I I, I don't know how to, how better to say it. The stuff people say is awful, and for man, him to people, just go out there and ball, it, it's just like just like Drake said, man. People got Twitter fingers, man. Um, oh yeah, that's the thing they it do. is that like people in person, like they really wouldn't say this stuff to these these athletes' faces. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head on that play, man. Because the reason why I took away the George Kittle play is because. I felt like that play gets super highlighted because it's George Kittle, right? But I was hoping you picked the denominal Lenore play because, like you just said, man, Demo has been a guy who came in, he struggled a bit, um, he made had flashes, and then started struggling a little bit. And then the 400 fans are saying he's the weak link on this defense. But then he has two interceptions in back-to-back playoff games. Um, so I'm just glad you you were able to highlight the nominal Lenore. Um, Another player I would probably give credit to um, that I want to highlight that I will never forget is definitely, it has to be Fred Warner running the scene with CeeDee Lamb, man. Because if that, if, if it is, if that is any other linebacker, in my opinion, in the NFL right now, that pass is caught. And who knows the outcome of the game after that? Because they probably tie it up. Because they're getting the ball at the 10-yard line. And they probably tie it up somehow, some way. So that, to me, is a play that I will always remember as those two plays I'll always remember. Because Demo was, was the early on, and he just felt that energy. As soon as, as, soon as it happened, the 49ers go up 3-0. Like, after that interception, like, everyone around me was like, oh, yeah, Dak Prescott's in his head. We got this. Like, everyone was like, we got this. We, we already got to him. So those are the two plays that will definitely um, stick with me uh, for a very, very long time. Every time I talk about this game, it'll definitely be uh, Dallas sucks. Uh, I would use other <laughs> language like, you know, F Dallas. Um, and yeah. it's true, man. Like, I had so many Dallas Cowboy fans because I have a lot of Cowboy fans that, that talk to me and stuff. And they were just very disrespectful. Like, I, I'm not, I don't talk smack. I, I don't. I, I respect every team, especially in the playoffs. But when you want to get very personal and, and talk like that, it's like, all right, well, so wait till we win. And then you're going to hear from me because I don't talk smack until after a game. I mean, that's how I was when I played sports. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And and for me, I thought it was crazy. But any last comments, Nate? I know you have a uh, your your Twitter handle. Go ahead and shout that out for everyone to, to um, be able to follow you on Twitter. Any platforms that you want to plug, go ahead and plug those. Yeah, uh, at 9 or 8 49 is my Twitter. I tweet – 
you know, whatever comes to my head, whatever, however stupid it is. Um, it's just kind of my platform where I like to go. I do have a YouTube show that I'm currently on hiatus from just because about to get married, doing a lot of stuff right now. And so um, uh, it's called Niner Nate's Nonsense on YouTube. If you want to give that a subscribe, I always appreciate it. I'll be back next season, most likely. Maybe we'll do something for the Super Bowl if they get there, of course, all that stuff. I mean, honestly, Marco, if I have any closing thoughts, it's that um, beat the Eagles, you know, find a way to overcome the odds um, and, and go into Philadelphia and win. And I really feel like if they beat the Eagles, they're the team of destiny this year. They're the team that's going to win the Super Bowl because this is this has storybook written all over it, right? You know, to go yeah, into Disney Philadelphia, Channel writ, wrote it right, like with yeah, to go into Philadelphia, the rowdiest fan base around. You know, a team that really pretty much curb stomped a lot of people they played this year. You know, outside of Washington, who you know they were on a ten game win streak at that point. You know, whatever happened there. You know, and then their quarterback got hurt for a couple of games. They lost a couple of games there, right? But, you know, for them to go into Philadelphia and have the confidence and, and really just play bully ball and, and find a way to win, I mean, they'll, I, you couldn't tell me they'll lose to Cincinnati or, or Kansas City. It just feels like they're faded. And I just, want, I just want them to go out and just show the world who what the 49ers are because I'm so sick as a fan of being disrespected because we didn't play anybody because our quarterback is a seventh round rookie because he's a system quarterback, whatever, all that crap. I don't care if he's Tom Brady. I don't care what he is, but right now he's the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers and I want him to win. And I want him to win so bad because I'm so sick of seeing the way people talk about this team. And I know Kyle Shanahan's sick of it of hearing the way people talk about him, how he can't win the big game, how he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. I want more than anything in the world, Marco, more than I want to breathe air. I want to be on that street in San Francisco and see Kyle Shanahan holding up the Vince Lombardi trophy to this this city who deserves this. You know, obviously I know the Warriors have won a bunch of championships, but 49er fans deserve this. Kyle Shanahan deserves this. George Kittle, Fred Warner. I could name off the whole entire roster. These guys deserve this. This is time for them to win. And I really feel like this is the year they finally get done, man. And I, I just, I would love to beat the Eagles in their house. I just think it would be so fun to see Sirianni sat on the sideline. But more than anything, I just want Kyle Shanahan to have a ring. Because, man, if Kyle Shanahan has a ring, it's just, it's so special because what he's done. I mean, he's been here for six years and he's turned our franchise around completely. And, and, and a lot of people, when they fired Jim Harbaugh, thought this team was going to be gone for 10 years. And in three years, four years flat, they were back in the Super Bowl. And now they're in back-to-back -back NFC championship games. And if in six years, he's a Super Bowl champion, I really feel like we're back, man. And, and, and it's time to run this, this fucking league. It's time to do what Joe Montana and Bill Walsh did. And I really feel like if anyone can do it, it's Kyle Shanahan and it's Fred Warner. It's George Kittle. It's, you know, Christian McCaffrey. These guys have what it takes to be the team that nobody wants to play for the next couple of years. Man, I couldn't have said it any better, man. Go get six, man. That's the biggest thing is get one for, for the other thumb. Uh, end of the day, make sure y'all follow uh, Niner Nate. On Twitter, make sure you guys go subscribe to his personal channel. Um, Nate, I appreciate you for being on. Um, as always, Diner Faithful, stay safe. Um, enjoy the week. 
enjoy the 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 victory um, because we have a, a a very hard team coming up in the Philadelphia Eagles. And if if we get past it, I, like Nate said, man, I really do. We I do believe we win. And shout out to Dallas for wanting to play us because y'all got your asses handed too. Peace out. <laughs>